Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. The bar is open. Welcome back to another week of Vikings Happy Hour. And we are stoked to have Matthew Collar from Purple Insider joining us this evening to talk all things Vikings. Matt, how are you? Thank you for carving out a little bit of your time for us this evening. Oh, no, we got some audio issues, Dave. Can you fix it there? No, it's not on my end. I just heard him. Not well, 20 seconds ago. Now he's frozen. Well, we'll toss it over to Ryan then. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing great. Got to uh, help coach some uh, youth football just right before coming here. And uh, if you've ever coached youth football, you know you definitely need a beer after. So I think that this is a, war- uh, a welcomed uh, conversation. I got my daddy's honey pot from Lake um, Angry Inch in Lakeville. So, you know, excited to be here and talk some football. Yeah. Absolutely. I I switched over. My, my best friend got me on a, a, a vodka water kick, which is surprisingly good, but I feel weird drinking it. But it is it is tasty. Uh, Miles, happy you could join us this evening. How are you? Hello, hello. What's up, guys? You guys hear me? Thank you. Yeah, we yes, can sir. Hear you loud and clear. You look okay, tired. Cool. Yeah. Uh, What's that? I said you look exhausted. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got you rushing me, Dave. I mean, yeah, of course I'm tired. <laughs> Cracking the whip, of course. Matthew, I don't have anything. Us. I don't have anything to drink besides I have a San Pellegrino and water, like a regular water. <laughs> I got the night shift tonight, so. Oh, I still can't hear Matt. Sorry, everybody, for these difficulties, but we'll get it fixed out. Um, I, I guess just to kind of start off while, while we get the technical side of things figured out, um, Ryan, I just want to hear kind of what your takeaways were from, from last week's game. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a little bit of concern. We haven't quite scored a touchdown yet on offense, but we'll get to that, uh, later. I want to hear Matt, Matt Collar's take on that, but kind of tell me what your, your takeaways were from, from last week's preseason game. Yeah, uh, you know, watching the game, I was actually there live again. I uh, was able to I'm take my son there. and I just want to see if we can hear Matt now that he's back. Absolutely. How about now, guys? Yes, Perfect. We were golden. Okay. We're going to rewind that question back. We're going to fire yeah. off the question. Matthew, thank you for joining us from Purple Insider. Another busy day at TCO Performance Center. How are you? I am doing okay. Sorry about the uh, delays. I, I couldn't get my computer hooked up to it, but we're on the phone now, so uh, we're good. And, hey, it's been uh, an eventful um, preseason and training camp, hasn't it? I mean, normally uh, we get sort of the most um, mundane press conferences following practices and following uh, preseason games, but we've had a, lo- a lot of entertainment and a lot of uh, things to talk about, so I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, Kirk's presser, um, I don't know if he was trying to, to build his rapport back up with uh, the media members out there, but I, I heard him giving uh, Chris Thomason, I think he was talking about his, his his outfits that he would wear a little bit. So he's trying to get in the good graces maybe a little bit. 
Uh, that, yeah, that's been an ongoing thing. Uh, with Chris has got all sorts of different hats and shirts from the places that he travels. Um, usually there's time in the off season where Chris will pick a different country and travel there and visit, and he'll always pick up something along the way. So I think it wasn't even recently that Kirk noticed this. I mean, this was probably a year or two ago that he noticed this and started asking Chris about the different hats and shirts. So today, uh, I guess Kirk couldn't figure out what country it was that was represented on Chris's hat. So um, they, I guess I guess the, they left the stream on so everyone saw yeah. that. But that's sort of, that has sort of been an ongoing dialogue for, I don't know, quite some time. We got a little insight to what it's like to be a little beat reporter because, yeah, they did leave that, uh, that stream on a little bit longer today. Um, you mentioned how weird training camp has kind of been this year coming off of COVID. 19 season uh have things settled down a little bit or are they still pretty chaotic over there no i think they have i mean when you think about the first couple of weeks even you start with i mean christian derisaw not being able to get on the field rick dennison i'm not going in order here but rick dennison uh being reassigned because he decided he didn't want to get vaccinated and then you have Kirk Cousins missing practice and you have Jeff Gladney being indicted. I mean, all of these things were happening sort of like day after day and and Mike Zimmer giving his multiple press conferences, addressing the players who had not been vaccinated yet. And so we were just kind of being hit with wave after wave. And then, you know, things start to settle down. We get the first preseason game. They have the Broncos wipe the floor with them, which normally is sort of, okay, well, Look, it's a preseason game, and yes, it is emblematic of how thin the roster is past the starters, but normally um, you would just sort of shrug that off and you would have the coach downplay it and say, you guys worry too much about the preseason, it's not a big deal. But then you know, Zimmer took the exact opposite angle, and so when Zimmer comes out and says, no, this is actually a huge deal, then we have to react accordingly and say, okay, I guess this is a big deal. So um, that kind of stoked the flames again. But I feel like over the last, not that it was a much better performance for the offense against Indianapolis, but it's mostly been what's going on with Anthony Barr and his injury. Will we see D.D. Westbrook anytime soon? Will we see Christian Derrissaw anytime soon? And then, you know, who's getting cut? And now we get to the sort of, more normal things. Um, although I, I would say that Zimmer talking extensively about uh, Mike Osterholm coming in to visit them and talk about uh, more about the vaccine sort of gave us a window into the fact that uh, there's they're not over it, that they have so many players that remain unvaccinated. And this is all before week one. <laughs> Add in there that, that, uh, <laughs> that Everson Griffin is back. On that sorry i missed that last part of what you said oh yeah everson griffin's back i just want to know what your what your thoughts were on that to to kind of top the the end of training camp here oh sure yeah i mean well i think first of all it tells you that uh kirk cousins opinions on anything don't matter i mean because even if they talk else. I mean, bringing in a guy who tweeted the things that Everson did about your quarterback would just be a non-starter, I think, if you had a true franchise quarterback. If it's 
Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Brett Favre. Like, that's just not something that would be considered. I think you'd just look for a different pass rusher to bring in if it was going to make the quarterback look bad. But in this case, I think what we see is that the organization, the head coach, the management, they're looking at Cousins as if this might be his last year. And all the signs point to that from whether it's you know talking about him in press conferences or even who they bring in. Now, from the perspective of the roster, uh, I think that Everson Griffin is an upgrade over what they had. Um, even if he is a situational player, I suspect that he won't remain like that for that long. Maybe he's a situational player for a couple weeks and then he'll be back to starting. Um, because he's just better than Stephen Weatherly or DJ Wanham. Uh, at the same time, you have to look back to the draft. You have to look back to free agency and go, what happened there? I mean, what, why was this position left the way that it was, knowing that uh, Daniil Hunter was coming back from a major injury and knowing that you, know, you have this position that didn't create a whole lot of pressure from last year? The guy who was the best at creating pressure from that spot uh, last year, Fadi Adenabo now plays for the New York Giants. So there's there's a lot of sort of questions to be asked. And Everson wanted to come back months ago. Why did they wait this long to finally uh, pull that trigger and bring him in? Were they thinking that they wanted to see if, if Wanham or Weatherly had an, another gear to them? And then they maybe underestimated that they don't? Uh, I, I'm not really sure. Um, but I think it sort of says that there's a few positions here where they may be overlooked as they were getting the roster set. Another one you might say is backup quarterback. If Greg Joseph mix, misses a few more kicks, we'll say you overlooked you know, the kicker, uh, backup linebacker, maybe another tight end. Now with Tyler Conklin hurt, it sort of reveals that there's not much there beyond him. So they're sort of scrambling to fill these spots at the very end. And you have to say that Everson Griffin was the best option to do that just from a pure player perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Matt, you know, so my name is Ryan. I don't know if we've actually met. I, I just want to say quick, I appreciate your, you know, everything that you bring to Vikings Twitter and to the content that you provide for about the Vikings. Uh, I appreciate the real approach. I think we here at Climb in the Pocket try to provide that as well. Not that just super rainbows and sunshines optimism that some of the fans have. I think we try to keep it real. And in that light, again, I appreciate that. So in that light, obviously we've had a lot of offensive concerns um, so far in the preseason. Again, you take it for what they're worth, but you know, we, we have, you know, a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we haven't scored a touchdown in the preseason. Again, it's preseason, so whatever, but you still haven't seen, you know, any explosion out of those kind of second gear guys. Uh, we have a we invest a heavy in the draft and offensive line. Neither one of those guys are starting. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, are you concerned, overly concerned? What's the feeling amongst inter the internal team, right? Because you maybe have a little more insight there. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the offensive concerns right now. Yeah, first, I really appreciate the kind words. And I would say that I never would blame anyone for wanting to be optimistic about their team. Um, I think that there is a section of fans who wants to be very aggressive about that and fight anyone who's on the realistic side. And I try not to take that too personally. But um, to your question about the offense, uh, where it connects to what we've seen in the preseason and even in three drives is it just hasn't really looked like they've been locked in. Um, you know, there have been other years where I've covered training camp. 2017 uh, comes to mind where Sam Bradford was dialed in with the offense 
and he was dropping dimes to Stephon Diggs, Jerry's right, and Adam Thielen all camp long. And I think that if I remember the preseason games were ugly, but we all went, well, who cares? I mean, they look really good in training camp, right? So it doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, ultimately that offense turns out to be really good, even with Case Keenum running it. Uh, and also we saw Case Keenum show up in those preseason games with his job on the line and really stand out. So we haven't seen that from the backup quarterbacks this year, but we've seen what you guys saw uh, and everybody saw um, with the preseason game against Colts is kind of how the offense has looked in practice where it just seems like cousins is not locked in with his receivers. Now, you know, Thielen was out there. Justin Jefferson wasn't. That's a massive factor. Of course it is that the best receiver is not out on the field. Still, it was a lot of throwing to running backs and throwing short underneath and everything. And that's, I think it is like a concern. It's not such a massive concern that I would say they can't have a good offense this year. But you look around at, at what's happened this year and you say, well, how, how dialed in is Kirk? How distracted is Kirk by the things that have happened? Uh, how sort of engaged is he in being this team's quarterback after they've done a lot of things over the last you know, even going back hey. to drafting Kellen Mond the last few months, yeah. that would sort of suggest you're not really our guy. So, you know, the last time he was in a situation like this was in 2017, and that was his worst year in Washington. So from that angle, you do worry. But then when you think, well, Delvin wasn't out there and Jefferson wasn't out there, those are two of the best football players in the entire league. So I would say, yes, be concerned that it hasn't looked really locked in in training camp at any point, and he missed time, which I think set him back. But I wouldn't say, look, guys, season over, they're going to be the 28th best offense. Like, No, they have way too much talent to be a bad offense, but there's a lot of questions here along the offensive line, Clint Kubiak calling plays for the first time. And so I think that last year, you know, they had some numbers that were put up when they were losing, but they also had some very, very good games and very good uh, runs. Um, but they were also very healthy for the most part as well. And so you're kind of going through this this weighing back and forth. You have a ton of talent, but you're playing a former six-round tackle at guard. And, you know, like there's uh, sort of a swings back and forth. And what usually happens with that is you end up with an offense that's in the middle of the league, which is kind of where you would probably guess they'll be right now. Yeah, wow. caller. Yeah. You'd mentioned uh, you'd mentioned about Kirk Cousins and him being a little off, and and maybe it's some of the distractions for himself. Do you think with the new COVID protocols and those things that the NFL has put in place for non-vaccinated players that that maybe there's an impact to Kirk? Because we know how much of a like I don't even know how to, the, the, the right the right word here, but Kirk is very much that type of person that has to be on like a a strict schedule. Like, you know, his life is just a schedule. Uh, do we see that as being a factor this season? We know last year, um, you know, how, how COVID impacted the entire NFL, but they all were under the same umbrella. They all had to do the same things, kind of felt like you could find your own groove. But with vaccinated and unvaccinated players this year, it feels like everyone's a little bit different. Like you even heard it. You could hear it in the way Kirk was saying it with the little the small meeting room that they had with the quarterbacks. Like you could just hear the tension there. Like do you think that could be throwing him off and like, I, something I've been thinking about just and, and how Kirk is like mentally that could be throwing him off this, this off season so far. And, and that's a really hard one to say, because I'm sure he wouldn't acknowledge that if that were sure. an issue. And I think that, you know, I think that most of the things that they're doing 
with masks on in meeting rooms and things like that uh, are not, there's not like this huge, huge difference on a day-to-day basis. What would be happening vaccinated or unvaccinated aside from the mask wearing, the daily testing, wearing a tracker and things like that. Um, At the same time, I think that the tension part that you mentioned could absolutely factor in. I mean, you think about just how thin the margins are in the NFL of having success and not having success, Uh, a great play and not a great play. It's very small. And so you've put a guy in a position, uh, rightfully or wrongfully deserved or not deserved, to feel like he's kind of under attack from his own team. And, you know, after he does that press conference, I think all of us probably wrote the same thing, like, wow, that did not go very well. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. not what anybody wanted to hear that's a Vikings fan from him. I mean, I was even thinking of people uh, who don't want to take the vaccination, want their quarterback to play, right? Like, I think... Uh, when you hear the, the way that he talked at the podium, it, it really struck the wrong chords. And uh, I think everyone in the organization felt that way from people that I've talked to. And so, you know, when you feel like the head coach is calling you out, then people behind the scenes are upset with you for your decision. And also, you know, every one of these guys who doesn't get vaccinated, they call it like a very personal decision. And, you know, not never really had that quite explained to me, like what they mean by that. Uh, But it's clear that it's something that means something to them. And so you imagine feeling like you're sort of being attacked from all angles. And then your, you know, top wide receiver gets banged up in practice. You don't have him. And Daniel Hunter's rushing at you every day. Like there isn't really room for distractions like that. And I think that that's what it is. It's like that term distractions can be overrated in football. These guys are great at putting on the horse blinders, but there's only so much of that that you can block out from a day-to-day basis. And, you know, even at the stadium, like Kirk has got to have ears, right? Like the other night they announced his name and nobody cheers. And it's just like, (laughs) I mean, like, again, deserved or not, right or wrong. These are not circumstances that you would want your franchise quarterback to be playing under. If I said, you know, here, this guy's going to be your quarterback for the next 10 years. Would you want the coach undermining him at the podium? Would you want people behind the scenes pushing him as hard as they can to get vaccinated to the point where they're bringing in experts from the University of Minnesota to tell you that your personal decision is very wrong? And and then you go out, you know, and then you go out there and have to play the best in the world. So I think that all those things have factored in. Now, in the past, Kirk Cousins has been very good at being criticized and blocking that out. Um, after that Chicago game where he was being ripped by everyone for apologizing to Adam Thielen, he came out and played great against the Giants. So I've seen him do it a bunch of times. Again, I wouldn't write off the offense because of it, but I think that that is at the center of why they've had some issues. And what we haven't seen, and maybe this will be up to Jefferson and, and Cook, is we haven't seen the team really feel like they've rallied around him in any way or been defensive of him in any way. And so I think it's going to be up to the star players to just kind of carry this thing and, and make it a good offense. Money's on the line, so I'm sure Kirk, Kirk will say something, do something to to find a way to get paid again. Money's on the line. <laughs> yep. I don't doubt that Kirk will get paid again, but I, I have a question for Matt. If, uh, if this season goes south quick – do you have any senses that Zimmer is actually on the hot seat? Or do you think given everything that's happened just within this, this training camp with Kirk and 
his unvaccinated star players. Uh, I think it's rumored that Thielen, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Cook, whatever. If, if for some reason these guys miss games and cause them to lose games, does that save Zimmer for another shot at 2022? Yeah, uh, not rumored on Delvin Cook or Adam Thielen or Harrison Smith. Those guys are not vaccinated um, because they're still wearing right. masks um, when they're not playing. And that tells us everything we need to know with that. Um, so, uh, and, and those guys by far aren't the only ones. Like there are numerous other players, whether starters or the second level backup players who are unvaccinated and might end up being a difference maker after they cut down to 53. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking more like 60% of the roster as opposed to the 70 that was put out there. Um, but, uh, to your point, I think a bottom line type of season i am not sh- i mean okay so if kirk cousins missed half the year because he got covid or something maybe we'd be talking about a different scenario but let's say that he doesn't and and i do believe that cousins behind the scenes is doing everything he can to avoid getting covid and missing football games i do believe that whether it's motivated by money or not i don't know but i mean you uh, you you want to be on the field. He's always been on the field. He was not, um, you know, he didn't miss any games last year. So let's just say that, that that's all fine and that they don't have a COVID outbreak and miss a bunch of uh, things. Um, you know, either that or not that, or they do have a big COVID outbreak. I, I mean, I think like whatever the scenario is that this, the excuses have basically gone off the table if the, if it's one game that they miss of a star player or a couple games, I mean, is that enough to say, okay, Mike, uh, an eight and nine season is fine? Like, probably not, right? And they also made their bed with this backup quarterback situation. If there's nobody who can play, if Cousins is out, anything that happens with those players, you can always tie it back into, well, didn't you guys, as a as a collective, Zimmer Spielman, didn't you make these decisions that got us to this place? Um, so if it was just a one year type of thing, then you could say, yeah, well, bad breaks, but I think last year was bad breaks. Um, or at least they want to believe that like we lost a lot of the defensive players. They would say we didn't have fans. They would say, you know, things like that. Okay. That's fine. Um, but I don't think you get two years in a row in the NFL of excuses. I think they'll give you a pass on one year and that's pretty much it. So, um, I kind of waffled a little there a little bit, but I think that, save for Cousins misses most of the season with COVID or something or an injury, I think that the win-loss record is the bottom line for everybody. And if it's less than 500, you just have a tough time seeing them running back the same group again, whether it's one of them and not the others, I don't know. But uh, I think that there's a lot of pressure, especially with the amount of investment into the defense for a kind of push everything to the middle of the table uh, I think that's that's huge for ownership of how much money they had to spend to work around the cap, too, when you think about all that. Adding void years isn't a freebie. It costs money. Like re- Redoing contracts costs ownership money. So they, I think they're going to say, we gave you everything you needed, now win. And I think that's pretty fair. Well, and, and, and to that point, Matt, all of the one-year deals that they have, all of the chips being pushed in because of the void years and those things are all about right now because you could tell in the offseason there are going to be a lot of different decisions to make on Kirk Cousins, you know, on potentially Adam Thielen, you know, some other players. You know, they still got Brian O'Neill and Harrison Smith who need extensions, those types of things. So there's a lot up in the air where it feels like this is the season where it's make or break. So if they were to start one and five again, 
there's no way that you could see them run it back for a third time. Well, a ninth time at that point, but um, there's like no way at that point. And w- one point I wanted to bring up uh, with you, caller, is that um, you talked about Mike Zimmer and a little bit of the um, the the stuff he said. We kind of hear him in the uh, in his press press conferences. There's a little bit of like subtle jabs at like Rick Spielman, and and maybe you would know a little bit better, but you know, just kind of like trying to collect information for myself and uh, for people I know is it just feels like there's some tension there with a disconnect between what they're trying to do and what they want to do from a, an overall standpoint. And you have Zimmer kind of taking shots at, at Rick from the first, uh, uh, the first round pick standpoint and the draft picks not hitting in, in some of those cases and, and that stuff. And so maybe you could touch on that a little bit. Sure. I think what happens uh, with Mike Zimmer, we've seen this a few times, is that when he gets backed into a corner, uh, he's going to fight to the death, right? I mean, this was kind of like 2018, where Zimmer feels it all coming apart, and he feels the pressure coming down on him, and he fires John Filippo. And the same thing went for uh, 2016, where they start 5-0, and and there's the pressure of, oh, hey, you're an early Super Bowl contender at 5-0. and And then two weeks later, your offensive coordinator is walking away for his job um, and, you know, the, everything seems to be coming apart at the seams. And I think even that was Mike Zimmer going, what is going on? We're losing games now and, and everything's sort of falling apart and seeing the, the writing on the wall in, in 2016. I, I really felt that from him. And, you know, he had other things going on, his eyeball and so forth. But, like, there was just this feeling of him sort of overreacting to a loss or two and feeling a little panicked and – I think there's somewhat of that this year where he's looking at the roster and he's going, you know, we got a lot of great players. We could easily be in the playoffs. We could win playoff games, but here's my unvaccinated quarterback. And he's scared about that. And here's my first round draft pick that was supposed to solidify my line. He's not solidifying my line. Here's the second level of my roster that if you go down one level from the linebacker position, from the safety position, from the wide receiver position, what do you get? Like offensive line, same thing. Like you, you get a lot of missed draft picks. And, you know, I've always been of the belief that there's a ton of luck involved in drafting. And it's very hard to say, hey, this GM's great at drafting. And this GM is bad at drafting. But, you know, I think we are seeing some separation there. And I wonder if just like, you know, teams with, um, you know, different types of approaches are having more success. And, and there are things to question with some of these draft picks. I think Jeff Gladney, uh, maybe uh, some of us questioned that right off the beginning. Not that it, drafting a corner wasn't a good idea, but there were some other prospects there that you went, well, maybe it's a little safer play. Certainly Garrett Bradbury was a questionable pick. If you're taking a center in the first round, the guy better be a monster, not someone who's being pushed around every day in practice by um, Michael Pierce. Um, you know, and then you have so you have a draft pick who gets uh, indicted and cut. You have another draft pick who's hurt, who's playing in Kansas City now. You just like, and some of this stuff is bad luck. Some of it might have been foreseeable, but you also hope to hit on guys in the later rounds that can fill roles, and they don't even have that. Like Jalen Holmes might get cut. Um, you know, they've talked up other guys that they've drafted. Oh, he's lanky. He's just like Daniel Hunter, and then. They're having to cut guys all the time for those reasons. So, you know, I think what Zimmer is probably trying to sort of lay the foundation of, I'm a great football coach, but I was given five straight drafts that produced absolutely nobody past the second round. And from that perspective, I mean, do we disagree? Like, I I mean, I think that he's got a point there, though usually 
you don't hear that point made in public, but I think it was sort of <laughs> not that subtly made after that first preseason game. But when he handpicks the cornerbacks, he gets no excuses from me. Zero. He's the one handpicking the right. cornerbacks that he wants. It's not like he's telling Rick. He's telling Rick exactly who he wants there, but that's a different conversation. But, yeah, uh, thanks for that. I uh, appreciate sure. that insight. Before we keep going, hey, I want to be cognizant of your time, Matt. So if you need to hop off, just let us know. But uh, if you're still good, I'm sure we could throw questions at you all night. Yeah, uh, I can hang for another like 10 minutes, then I got to run to do another podcast. But uh, fire awesome. away. I appreciate for that. Sure. Ryan, go ahead. You know, Yeah, I want to give some of our commenters a little bit of love here or just some attention here because we have you know great comments in here. I appreciate all the, the people watching live with us here. Uh, one of the comments, and, and then I'm going to bring up another comment here, uh, ethical individualist, uh, you know, states that Kirk Cousins haters needs to be held accountable when he's gone and the next QB really sucks. And, you know, to, to kind of address that, Mary, who's always with us every show, you know, Monday through uh, Thursday, I appreciate you, Mary. She comments back, you know, I don't hate Kirk Cousins. Just want him to be held uh, accountable and and do what he's paid to do. We all want him to just win, not just win games, but playoffs and hopefully a Super Bowl. So, and I think that's a sentiment. I think a lot of us, including you, caller, uh, get knocked for being a Kirk Cousins hater, and we don't hate Kirk Cousins. I don't hate Kirk Cousins. I think he's a very good quarterback, but I do think that he's paid at an amount that he needs to be able to cover up some of the deficiencies that we get in the event that players do get hurt in the event, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, right? His offensive line was completely garbage and he took that team to the Super Bowl. And obviously it fell apart in the Super Bowl, but nevertheless, you know, he got them there. And again, we all know Kirk Cousins isn't going to be Patrick Mahomes, but we we do need him to play at a higher rate and 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 worth the money that we're paying him. Can you maybe just comment a little bit on that type of comment and, and your feelings? Because, again, I think you are labeled as a Kirk Cousins hater, just given what I see on Twitter. And I don't think that's fair because a lot of people don't hate him. We just want him to do what he's paid to do at the rate that he's paid to do it at. Let's stop yeah, making I mean, excuses. Well, yeah. The, well, I mean, from, from my perspective, um, it I, I've never hated any player that I cover. I mean, I just cover them with through the lens of uh, what your team's expectations are and what you're supposed to achieve based on how much you're paid, what your circumstances are and all those other things, what, what they brought you here for uh, when it comes to Kirk cousins. I mean, I would, I, I, the thing is like, no one ever would, it's just funny about like cousins in particular, like no one would ever label me a Jalen Holmes hater, but I just told you guys that Jalen Holmes hasn't done anything since they've drafted him. It's like, I guess I well, just starting now. Out of I'll a hat. start calling you that. Yeah, it's weird. I pick the names out of a hat, and they just so happen to be the guys that underachieve that I hate. Um, but it's uh, so that. But that's how. You, but that's how you do it for everything, journalistically and objectively. Is you look at all the evidence and you say, "Well, what does this tell me?" And that goes from trying to decide whether Brian O'Neill deserves a contract extension to whether Kirk Cousins was a success or failure in Minnesota when they signed Kirk Cousins in 2018. Let's not rewrite history. They signed him to win the Super Bowl. And not only did they not win the Super Bowl, which is fine and happens. Uh, it's happened to this franchise with way better teams and better quarterback <laughs> performances than his. Uh, it happened to Fran Tarkenton. He's a way better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. But look, they win 8-7-1. and one. 
And then they win a playoff game, and it was a great game for Cousins. But then the next week he throws for 130 yards in San Francisco, and they lose. And so you're three years in. You've won the division exactly zero times. You have one playoff win when you were the sixth seed. And when we talk about Cousins, they didn't bring him here for quarterback rating. They brought him here to win games. They paid him to win games. And so I get that there's an evaluation of Cousins to say, well, look, he could have had this or he could have had that. That all ties into his money, by the way. And it also ignores a lot of things, like he's 6-0 against the Lions in 1921-1 against everybody else, that they've beaten exactly three winning teams since Cousin was brought here. The New York Jets have beaten four since 2018. I mean, they, they have not achieved as a team, with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, what they set out to achieve. And is 100% of that on Kirk Cousins? No. But I think we have to say it hasn't been a success. So you can like him. You can cheer for him. You can believe that he's a very good quarterback. And I wouldn't argue with any of those points. But if they're going to make this a success, it has to go along with taking your football team somewhere. Because when you go around the rest of the league and you go, well, let's see, Russell Wilson's team was a disaster last year and they went 12-4. and So how much is the quarterback connected to your winning? Like, well, if they're $30 million worth, then usually it's a lot. Uh, I think we all would have paid Patrick Mahomes, right? So um, I think that's it's a very nuanced type of thing. But I think that anytime, um, you know, we're talking about the Cousins thing, I think there's a lot of people that really want to see him succeed because they like him and they think he's good and they think that the team could have done more for him, which you know, maybe true along the offensive line and some of their spending. Um, And so uh, I don't, I mean, of course you should feel that way about your team's quarterback that you want to see him succeed. But uh, that's not my job is to hope and root for something. My job is to tell you the, the, the sort of black and white of it. And that's the realities is that they brought him here to win and they haven't. Now they've got one more year to do it. Uh, But the other part is too, that, I get a lot of my information from just listening to how other people talk. And when the head coach of the football team, who has had this long career and been around thousands of football players in his life, is standing at the podium undermining his quarterback, you can't look at that and say, oh, that's fine. No, Nothing to see here. Like, come on. I mean, you can't. When you bring in Everson Griffin after what he tweeted, you can't say it's fine. They must all love him. Right. And so uh, I have to tell you that. And if it was different, then I would tell you different with Teddy Bridgewater. It's different with Teddy Bridgewater. You couldn't find a person on or off the record who didn't want to play for that guy. And now you see him convincing another team of that. Is he as talented as cousins? Of course not. But they, they want to play for him. And so that's part of the equation, too. So I think that what I try to do is cover the whole thing. Um, and I may have just covered the entire thing with that answer, but, um, it's always, it's, it's like a thing we do now, I guess. If someone sort of lays out, uh, what the facts of the matter are and you don't like it, you just make up your own facts, which we see a lot of that on Twitter and stuff. So, um, I guess that's, that's just how it goes. That's our world today, but I'm, I'll change my opinion when the facts change. So if Kirk Cousins leads them to the NFC championship, then I'll say this was a success because you reached where you set out to go. That's about the best mic drop yeah, you can get. It was. Uh, that was legit. I, f- I feel hesitant to ask you one final question because that was just so good of a rant. <laughs> Brooks Sponge. I just like want to clip it. Um, but I am going to ask you one final question before you go, Matt. Um, uh, 
as, as cut down day is coming up next week, uh, do you have any surprise cuts that we could potentially see? And then on top of that, before you log off, I want to thank you uh, again for hopping on. I know you're super busy. I know training camp covering the Vikings is chaotic as usual, but uh, we here at Climbing the Pocket love your work. Um, appreciate the objectiveness and in the in the hard facts that you give us. And um, yeah, uh, thank you. Well, thanks so much, guys, for having me on and always being very supportive of what I've done. Really, I mean, for a lot of you guys, just even since I moved here uh, from Buffalo in 2016, um, you know, so and uh, I've, I've gotten to meet you, Miles, before I haven't met, but met Ryan or uh, Matt. But, um, you know, would, would love to sometime if we get a chance. COVID things always get in the way, but now uh, maybe sometime we can we can meet up. But I really appreciate uh, all the support from you guys. And. Look, I mean, there's so much fighting and stuff on Twitter that it sort of becomes your universe in a way, right, of where you get your sense for how people view things and feel about things. But I don't think it's always the best view of like reality of how the majority really feels. I think that there's some people who are so loud about certain topics, and this goes for everything, that it can sort of skew um, what we think. And I think the, the vast majority of Vikings fans that I've found are really interested in just all the football stuff. And, 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 and no, and Dozier's no not getting a cut flip. Right. Like this, is, this is not a fan base that necessarily needs you to pat it on the head. A lot of people do, but I don't know why, because the, the Vikings fans that I've gotten to know are like, what's going to go wrong next. It's almost like they're more comfortable with you telling them what's going to go wrong than saying that it's going to work out. So that's anyway, um, surprise cut, uh, is it a surprise if I say it and then it happens, then you won't be surprised. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, Steven Weatherly came to mind here. I mean, you're bringing back Everson Griffin. Um, but then Janarius Robinson goes on IR. So that kind of opens up, uh, the spot for Griffin He's the one I thought of at one point in camp. I thought maybe Armand Watts, but definitely not now. I think that he's uh, solidified himself. I thought he played well against Indianapolis, and uh, they just don't have a whole lot of depth at that position. Um, is Dakota Dozier a surprise cut? I don't <laughs> no, know. No, he doesn't. No, so, caller, Dozier's not getting cut. I, I feel like it's, like, inevitable at this point. If they were more comfortable – and my, it's just my opinion. I feel like on Friday we're going to see – Dozier play left guard with the second unit, and we're going to see Wyatt Davis play right guard with the second unit because Drew Samia is out. So, like, I, I just feel like they view Dozier as too stable, and even though we know he sucks. But <laughs> And then I well, th- yeah, I say uh, James Lynch. James Lynch is my surprise cut, by the way. Okay, you didn't ask yeah, me. I, I guess I wasn't sure whether that was or not if James Lynch got cut. I mean, a fourth rounder from last year, but – trying to switch positions for the third time in three years. This is a thing the Vikings <laughs> love trying to do. It's usually a last-ditch effort, though. It's like, can the guy be a nose tackle? Like, you, that, you <laughs> sort of see that a lot. So, yeah, this one, um, I was trying really hard when we were making up our 53s, myself and Sam Ekstrom, to come up with some unique ones. And I was like, could Chris Boyd be out? And then the next game, Chris Boyd's out there with the starters. Like, I, okay, I guess not. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the most shocking one would be if they cut Cam Dantzler. That would be that would be really shocking. That's, but you know that's not happening. Like, there's a 0% chance that's happening. Yep, They'd I, trade him before so they cut him. Right. So, trying to find a surprise cut is like, well, who would be a little surprising, but also not totally shocking? And I don't know. I don't know if this roster has too many 
super surprise cuts that are coming. But every year there seems to be one. I agree with you. Uh, Chad where can people might be a surprise Chad at this Beebe. point. Uh, I know people can find you on Twitter. I don't know the link to your website offhand. I know you do because you say it every podcast. <laughs> so well, let people I, know where they can uh, find you. Yeah, sure. The, well, the Purple Insider podcast is wherever you get your podcast and purpleinsider.substack.com. But I like to mention that I also bought purpleinsider.football because it was available. And like, so that will take you to the site as well. So if you can't remember the Substack part, just purpleinsider.football, it'll get you there. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Matthew. Um, Ryan, Miles, hang on. We can continue this conversation for, I don't know, another 15, 20 minutes, and uh, we'll call it a wrap then. So thanks, Matt. Thanks, Colin. Yep. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Take care. See ya. Ryan, I think that your mic has been muted for probably the last 15 minutes. Yeah, um, no wonder. I was, I was like, man, I'm trying to talk and Matt just hey, won't uh, let we, me jump can in we, Right. Can we – there's one I, – I saw someone has been asking about uh, Darisa. Looking for a Darisa. Yeah, Darisa and Bar. And Bar. Bar, I feel like, is one that's – it's almost impossible to know at this point. Darisa feels like th- – this is a hypothetical situation I could see happen. We know with uh, – uh, the IR situation now, you can't uh, – like they couldn't – the Vikings couldn't, couldn't put Darius on IR right now and then have him come back in three weeks. They have to wait until the the 53-man cutdown. So I think it's like after next Tuesday or Wednesday, I think they could do that. This is a hypo- hypothetical. I wouldn't be surprised just to make sure that they sit him for a, f- a few more weeks to get him 100%. I could see the Vikings putting Darius on IR. Uh, the short, obviously, it's a three week, it's a three game IR instead of half a season or the yep. full season that it used to be. I can see the Vikings doing that with Darisaw. This isn't me saying I have any inside info. I don't on this, um, but that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, they worked out Roderick Johnson. I played for the Texans. He's a swing tackle um, today. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed him and and then put uh, Darius on IR next week, just because. They want to make sure he's 100% healthy rather than try to rush him back. Again, that's just a, a situation. That's a guess, but something that I could see happening. And it's not – you're not limited weeks now anymore, right? It's just – or is it, it's, is it a certain I think I think it is like two, three weeks. Okay. It's, three, it's at least three games. I think that's what, that's yeah, what it three is. Three games? Okay. And then, yeah, you have yeah. like a, then you have a window uh, of – yeah, because like if you had a bye week, that doesn't – I don't think that counts. Um, sure. But and early then, in the uh, season, like then, yeah. that's a negative. Yeah. Miles, they changed it. They kept the uh, practice squad rules from last year, and the one thing they did change was IR. They can come off at just about any time, and you don't have to designate anybody to come off. Oh, so it's not a three right. minimum anymore. Nope. Is it unlimited? Um, unlimited amount of players? Yes, unlimited. Perfect. So they, then I wonder. Stay I wonder if we that with Bar then too. If it is truly, I'm still seeing three games, but that's it's a minimum of three games. There's just no limit. That may be it, but there's no limit on how many people you can put on and how many people you can put off, and there's no yeah yeah no more designation. Hmm. Okay, okay, very good. Yeah, and then I saw that Freddie uh, has asked a couple times for a bar update. Um, I was listening to Dan Barrero earlier today. 
randomly. I never drive anymore, but I happen to be in the car and listening to him because I enjoy him. And uh, he was talking to, I think, Kevin Seifert. And uh, they were basically saying that mum's the word on bar. Uh, there is nothing, no update. I don't think any reporter, beat reporter, anyone has any information on bar. Um, they're being pretty tight lipped with it. So, um, you know, with the history of last year happening with Daniel Hunter and calling that a, what did they call it? What's the terminology they use? Tweak. A, Just a tweak. Man. A tweak. Just you know, tweak. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more, right, in, in terms of hopefully not a season-ending thing, but uh, something that is going to hold them out for a game or two. And um, so obviously, you know, we all as Minnesota fans, you know, we, we, we noticed that Kamal Martin got cut. Uh, that'd be a great pickup. I think he's a you know, capable linebacker that played relatively well as a rookie. Today? I, I don't, I, don't so. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. I could be wrong. Uh, I didn't see anything though. So, um, so that, that's, you know, again, you know, I'm not an insider, Freddie. I, I can't give you very specifics as if that is, you know, the, the accurate truth. If anyone else has any other inside information, that's just coming from an NFL insider, uh, Kevin Seifert. Um, on on bar, so um, notice that flips uh, cut Drew Samia. I you know I wouldn't be mad. You know obviously he's an Oklahoma player. I want Oklahoma players on the team, but I wouldn't be mad if he got cut. He did not play well in his first uh, you know live action, but it seemed like he was playing better this year. Uh, again, he's also another individual that is somewhat nicked up or hurt, uh, undisclosed in terms of what we know about the injury. So uh, we, we don't really know what's happening. He could be another person that could go on to IR. Um, he's technically still eligible for the practice squad. So um, he would be able to jump on there. So I, I don't know if he's going to be cut. Um, I'd be surprised if they did, just given how well he played in the, that uh, Denver preseason game. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they did, I wouldn't be mad because he wasn't great when he had the chance last year. So, um, he kind of burned the bridge there. Uh, and then last thing I want to mention, I think I was on mute, so I couldn't mention it when Collar was on, but, uh, he had mentioned about Kirk and, uh, how he got like no st- standing ovation when they announced his name. Well, I was at that game and I, that is accurate. He didn't, um, Teddy, when he was here in Denver, he that that crowd. I mean, again, the crowd didn't erupt like crazy, but like he got a big, pretty loud ovation for for Teddy, and um, it just goes to show the impact of the likability factor of you know what you can do for a fan base and and whatnot. So um, I just found, found that funny. I wanted to get his take on that, but I missed that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he alluded to the fact that uh, on or off record, you know. Nobody will say a bad thing about Teddy. Um, See you later, Freddie. Uh, One thing I want to ask you guys before we do wrap up is any takeaways from from what Caller said? I mean, he was pretty pretty objective, pretty blunt uh, in his responses, which, you know, is kind of a breath of fresh air uh, when we're talking about the Vikings. Uh, I know sometimes we don't always get to hear the the truth or what goes on beyond, beyond the scenes, and you can only read so much uh but to actually hear that, that him vocalize um kind of his thoughts about zimmer kirk the offense the defense the depth everything uh what are your guys' takes on that pretty spot on in my you opinion i mean yeah i i think i i think caller hit it on the head of kind of what we've been hearing and seeing through twitter and through the beat reporters uh through training camp like normal Normally, like in like the 26, 
2016 season, even the 2017, 2019 seasons, uh, there was a different kind of buzz around those seasons where you felt a lot more confidence. Now I think that's what makes this season so weird is like you look at the Vikings roster, you look at the starters, just the high level, just look at the starters, don't look anywhere else in the Vikings roster. You're like, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty damn good team. But you're not hearing that kind of play coming through during training camp. Like during the, the the Denver Bronco practices, like there's a reason the Vikings didn't start. They didn't play 31 of their players uh, against the Broncos. They had the two practices to see what they needed to. They got kind of their like the quote unquote like live game reps against the Broncos in those situations. So they didn't need to play them during the game. But you didn't hear much from like the offense, and I think that's the troublesome part of it. Is no, am I like super worried about the offense? No, but at the same time, you want to hear a little bit more consistency from your offense when you hear hear a little bit more. Um, just overall like buzz around them. Like, yes, we know Justin Je- Justin Jefferson as an individual is a really good player. Same with Adam Thielen, Irv Smith having a good uh, preseason. That's one uh, guy that you're like, okay, there's there's buzz around him. You like hearing that, but you're not really hearing that like overall. And that's kind of the part that's bothering me a little bit. And so, do am I like I said, I'm not like completely worried about it. I just would like to, you know, obviously come out on uh, was it September 12th against the Bengals and. You know, and put that to rest. Obviously, that's like that's the ideal situation. But yeah, I think um, overall, just kind of what um, what caller said, he hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, it feels just like a lot of tension, and I think you can. It just it's showing up. You hope that that ends, and you know, once the preseason's over, you hope as they roll into the season, you know, those those distractions, those things um, are kind of put put behind them. The only concern you have, in my opinion, is you fear that. Uh, a COVID situation happens and that just becomes another one of those, like, well, we told you this was going to happen type of thing. And that's just what you hope doesn't happen. Like, and you know, that's why they want people to get vaccinated, yada, yada. But you know, that's just the scare. That's the scare in my opinion that that's coming is like, you just don't want that. Cause I feel like that just would crumble, potentially crumble the season. You want to have a strong deep run. You want to have it. This, this team, I've said this before, shouldn't just be, a fringe playoff team. This should be a, a, a top six or a top four, top five, you know, you know, team in the NFC. They shouldn't be a, a fringe, you know, sneak into the playoffs type of team. They should be a, a team that solidifies themselves uh, and, and make it a, a deep playoff run. I mean, they should, um, and yeah. we shouldn't accept Absolutely. anything less. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to kind of go into some of the comments again, you know, Flip had mentioned winning solves everything, and Miles kind of started to allude to that. If we come in and we, you know, beat the crap out of the Bengals and we handle Kyler Murray and the and the Cardinals, and and then we go into uh, our first home game and, and take care of Russ, hey, we just beat two two really damn good quarterbacks, right? Like you know, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and then we got Baker Mayfield coming in after that, who in his own right is pretty darn good as well. So. Uh, you know, if, if we can come in and win a few of those games and start even three and one or, you know, four and oh, I think a lot of this like uneasy feeling is going to get put to rest. Like Miles was saying, um, going back to your question, Matt, around around collar and kind of the takeaways, you know, I really appreciated that kind of you know, obviously it wasn't his walk off, but you know, that, that last, that last question around Kirk Cousins haters and, you know, the, what he needs to provide to the team and, and the realistic expectations, because um, I think a lot of us are misconstrued as to being haters and it's not being haters. We have proper expectations put in place. Like Mary has mentioned uh, in, in the comments here, all we want is wins. 
And I know that's not all on Kirk, but when you when, when you are the quarterback of this team and you're the leader of the team and you're not doing things to put your team in the best possible position, I mean, I, I look around the league and, I, and again, COVID or not COVID, let's take that out of the equation because, again, if you want to have that personal choice, whatever, that's your, yeah, it's your business. I look around the league and I see all these quarterbacks getting together with their receivers. I, and I'm not saying Kirk isn't. I don't hear about it, though. Right. Like, where is the camaraderie coming from? Where is the, the chemistry? Where is the leadership? I don't see it. And again, I'm not saying it's not there because I'm not an insider. I don't know, but I want to see in, you know, whether it's fake or not, I want to see like that, that being posted. I want to hear more about that. I know it happened early on when he joined the the team, like in 2018, but I haven't seen anything about that since. I haven't seen him kind of going above and beyond. Like Miles said, he just seems to be this regimented guy that follows his schedule and doesn't stray away from it. And that that is indicative of his life, but it's also his play on the field. And I'm honestly, I, I'm kind of sick of it. Like I want a, a quarterback that is going to go above and beyond, that is going to put in the extra effort, That's that truly wants to be here and win. And, I, and part of Everson Griff, I mean, obviously he said what he said. He might have been ramped up. He might, you know, it might have been a mental health thing. I'm not sure what it was because it did seem out of character for Everson Griffin, but there's some truth into what he said. And 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 if he's thinking that, if he was a player that said that, he's not the only one that's saying it, or not the only one thinking it. I should say. And 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 I think that's where the issues come in. I think for me as a fan, and again, not being a Kurt Cater because I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he. Is, is accurate as hell. He uh, can throw a great deep ball. You know, he, he makes relatively good decisions for the most part. Obviously, he doesn't have the best pocket presence or whatever, but for the most part, he's a good quarterback. But there's some of those intangibles and that leadership qualities that you want out of your franchise. You know, again, we talked about this over the last couple of weeks, your franchise quarterback that um, he doesn't have or he hasn't shown. Well, and to, real quick, the Griffin situation that I don't think anyone's talking about, maybe they've mentioned it. The, it the, it's clear the Vikings didn't go to Kirk Cousins while they were in conversations with Griffin to ask how he felt about this. They don't give a shit how he felt about this. They were making this decision based on what they wanted to do. Because like we've talked about in most franchise quarterbacks, had this happened to them from a former player and that same player was looking to come back to the team, it would have it been off the table. Or they would have at least had a conversation with that quarterback before they made the decision. It's clear that the Vikings didn't because if they had, Everson Griffin would have had already had a conversation with Kirk Cousins and had that like the apology and all that stuff before he signed. That didn't happen, so it's clear that they didn't address that situation before they br- they made the decision to bring Everson Griffin back. So that in itself should tell you kind of where things lie with him. I'm not trying to make this. Again, I'm, I apologize to everybody because I don't want to make this about like the, a Kirk bash, a Kirk, uh, you know, situation like that. Because I'm not trying to do that. It's just kind of indicative of of what we're seeing and, and how we want to see this team move forward, though. And we want to see this team win. And so you want, I think, who who is it? Somebody mentioned it on the show earlier today. You want to see some people rally around the team and Kirk Cousins, and we're we want to see that. I want to see it. I want to hear it. I want I want to hear that like optimism, and we're just not hearing that yet. So I'll like. Hopefully, as we ramp up into week one, we start to hear that a little bit more. Yeah. And, and Flip I makes a good I'm point sure. here, too, in the comments that we do need to admit that 
Kirk's not the only one that needs to be held accountable here. I mean, we do have Dalvin Cook, which again, he's played relatively well, especially last year, but you know, he needs to make sure he's staying healthy. Thielen needs to make sure he's staying healthy. Hunter, again, obviously was out last year. He needs to, you know, make sure he's holding his weight and lifting up that defense. Kendrick's obviously, I don't know how much more he can do outside of staying healthy, but he's had a you know hell of a run with the Vikings. Smith. Bar. Barr, Harrison Smith, I mean, all these guys, these are all leaders on the team. So it's not all just on Kirk. I get that. But as a quarterback, you do need to um, take that ownership a bit more. I, I Again, and this is just me personally, when I hear um, Tom Brady, you know, talk about a loss, I don't ever hear him talking about the other players on the team. He's talking about himself, right? Um, taking that ownership, knows that the team needs to rally around him. And if he's not up to snuff, then it's his fault, not the team's fault, right? And you just don't hear that with Kirk. And and again, and maybe that's got the guys miffed a little bit. And that's why people like Everson are willing to say he's ass. Uh, even though he might not be, he's just, you know, whatever whatever the comment might be. But um, anyway, uh, just a quick thought. But, you know, Flip, good point there, honestly. Yeah. And I, I think this passion comes from, you know, we're all invested, you know, at, at varying different degrees. Obviously, the players are financially invested um, and, and have a little bit different motivations than we do. But we've been rooting for this team for a long time. Um, and to, to Caller's point earlier, Kirk was brought in to win a Super Bowl. End of story. That's what it was. He hasn't done it. He hasn't produced enough wins. You can talk about garbage time stats, you can talk about QBR, you, whatever. This isn't fantasy. We're playing for the real thing in the NFL, and that's the Super Bowl. So I, I get this passion. I agree with it all. Flip's list, the only one I don't agree with really are, are Kendricks and, and Smith. I feel like they've done um, a really good I, job. I'd say, Hunter. Uh, I'd say Hunter, too. And Hunter, too, yep, outside of last year. But that's injuries. It's just it is what it is. Um, with that being said, we're approaching an hour. We can carry some of this into next week if you guys want. Um, but I do want to thank you both for hopping on tonight. I want to thank everybody in the chat. You guys were, were firing it off. I appreciate it. You, you being in there, and I'm sorry that we couldn't get to more of them. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, so you can see us back here next week where we have – we're switching from Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, over to Score North. We've got Phil Mackey next week, um, so that'll be fun to chat with him right before the season starts. Um, and Dave, you'll have to correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I believe Flip is back tomorrow night with Vikings Hot Takes. Viking Hot Takes is back tomorrow night. We have Eric Thompson from the Daily Norseman, as usual. But for Flip, there is a special guest standing in. Isn't there, Miles? Uh, yeah, I'll be making my debut, man. I'm excited. But oh, we have Viking hot takes tomorrow. Woohoo! Let's go. Those guys get a free pass flip because they played up to their level. Like they played, like they did everything they could to play up to their level. Pay, pay wise, talent wise, ability wise, they did their job. I already did and they my don't outro. The same way quarterback does. And with that being I said, my <laughs> thank you I for watching I and listening. Until next week, Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings! Let's go! Thank you for watching or listening to 
As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.